0: Lord, as we reflect on this book you have given us uh, to study, to become wise, we ask that that indeed is what would happen in our lives. Uh, Use your wisdom to challenge us to grow in wisdom, and to lead wise lives to your glory. Let us, Lord, especially delight in the wisdom that is Christ, your Son, become flesh for our sake. Amen. All right, tonight we're looking at uh, the theme of family and especially parenting from the book of Proverbs. Uh, Just general orientation, getting us back into this. Uh, Wisdom is about navigating life well, okay? I can pluck out the notes of a hymn on the piano, but someone like Noah or uh, uh, Henrietta uh, at the old folks' home this afternoon, uh, they play well, right? There's like a virtuoso performance. It sounds like music. Okay, right and wrongs the rudimentaries. You can pluck out the keys, right? You don't murder, you don't steal, okay, basics. But playing life well, a virtuoso performance, that's what wisdom's about, is living life well. Uh, it's, it's about dealing with situations where it's not just right and wrong, but choosing between better and worse. Or two good options, which one do we take in this case? Uh, Wisdom, you might recall from last summer, the the sort of rudimentary uh, definition that I offered is wisdom is taking all of our knowledge of God and applying it to all of the realms of our life. Okay, All we know about God in all of our life. And so what we're looking at tonight is all that we know about God, what he reveals in his word, and applying it to the area of family and parenting. So what we're talking about tonight is not directly the gospel message, but rather what comes next. Okay, God created the world, very good. He put people in it to live flourishing lives in his presence and fellowship with them, with, with God, with him. Uh, and then, of course, sin has marred that whole thing. Humans fell out of relationship with God. They're no longer flourishing. Uh, Israel and then Christ, the culmination of that process is a way to bring people back into relationship with God. That's the gospel message. But then what? What comes next? Uh, What what do the justified do for the rest of their lives? And wisdom gets at some of that. How do we live good lives? How do we kind of get back to the original purposes of flourishing in the world that God has for creation? So the wisdom books like Proverbs, they connect a lot to the creation stories, Genesis 1 and 2, and there's no exception here on the theme of family. In Genesis uh, 1, do you remember what God's last act was, the last thing he did? It's not a trick question. Just what's the last thing he made? (laughs) Humans. And how are humans identified? Man and woman and how else? I bet Abram's got it. They're made in the image of God. And then God blesses the humans and what is that blessing? Be fruitful and multiply. Humans are made in the image of God and then they're blessed to make more images of God. By having children, it's mirroring the creator. Of course, there's all sorts of things that happen. Not everybody's married, not everybody has kids, there's fertility issues. You know, all those things happen and mar the world. But the original intention is that humans made in the image of God would make more humans in the image of God. God blesses them to be fruitful and multiply. So, parenting, that sort of life, is, uh, 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 that calling, is rooted in these original creation goals uh, or intentions that God has. Okay, let's turn then to the book of Proverbs and uh, just general orientation on family, and then we'll, then we'll look more closely at parenting. And even if you're not a, a, a parenting kids in your home at this moment, uh, in the church we are all a family, and so it's uh, working together to raise children. We've all vowed to uh, uh, help with the raising of all of these children that have been baptized in Wiser Lake Chapel, and so uh, uh, it's, it's, it's relevant, hopefully, to all of us. The first general orientation is in Proverbs 17:6, and then we are going to be most of the time in one chapter, so hopefully not too much turning back and forth. Proverbs 17.6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is is their fathers. How many generations are there in that verse? Again, there's no trick questions tonight, so if it seems obvious, that's right. Eva's got it. Three. Three. Abram's got it. Who are the three generations? Abram? He's got the general idea. Grandparents, the grandchildren, so there's that first relationship. Uh, three. It is three, but yeah, they get it named different ways, so it's a little confusing there. But yep, you got your grandparents... Then the, then the kids in the middle, and then the children. Yeah, the grandparents, parents, and children. Uh, and then notice how these relationships work. The grandchildren are the crown of the aged. So if you're a grandparent, the grandchildren are your crown. What's that language of crown about? You know, it's a, it's a, a sign of nobility, okay? Uh, having grandchildren is a good thing. So um, uh, grandparents, not to dig in too deep, but just going off golfing and ignoring your grandkids and, and kind of like cruising American in an RV and... Forgetting that you have grandkids, that's not appropriate in a Proverbs model. It's a relationship between grandparents and grandchildren. And then the glory of children is their fathers. All right, children, memorize this. Your glory is your fathers. Uh, but again, there's a delight from the children in their fathers. But you have this intergenerational vision for parenting. So it's not just parents and kids, but it's multi-generational. Uh, Derek Kidner comments, Fine family fruit need cultivation and protection. Okay, this this uh, proverb gives us a vision of fine family fruit, of these generations interrelated and enjoying each other, but it takes cultivation and protection, and without cultivation and protection, uh, the opposite grows up, which is antipathy between generations. Okay? It's easy to look down at other generations, uh, uh, older and younger. Uh, isn't it strange? All the younger generations seem so foolish. All the older generations seem so stuck in their ways. How is it that we're the only Whatever generation you're in, you're the only smart generation. How, how is that the case? Uh, somehow it is. But uh, I'm, of course, just joking. Uh, the other thing, and this isn't really rooted in a specific proverb, except we can just flip to Proverbs 1 to find one. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Throughout the book of Proverbs assumes that the father and mother together are rearing the children. Uh, and as far as I can tell, there's no proverb that indicates that somehow the father is even like more in charge than the mom, or the mom more in charge than the dad, nothing like that. That they are a team together, working together to raise the children. And we'll talk about marriage uh, from Proverbs in a future week, um, uh, so get at some of this. But it seems to me some portions of the Old Testament law do act as if women have slightly less rights than men in terms of the legal standing. But the book of Proverbs is about flourishing life, right? When you're doing things really well, kind of like high-level living, and at that level, treating your wife as a possession doesn't go very far, okay? Treating your wife as a partner or, or your husband as a partner, working together at parenting, that's how families flourish. So just two comments on, 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 on that, that it's intergenerational, it's fathers and mothers together, sort of a general orientation to family. Any, any comments so far? Okay, let's turn then to chapter 23, Proverbs 23, and, and, and there's a lot on parenting here in 23. Uh, and what I want to start by is asking, what is the goal of wise parenting? What's the goal of wise parenting? And let's just uh, throw out there a brainstorm. What are some common goals that parents have for their kids? Be respectful, yeah, respect others. Be responsible, respectful, responsible. Survive being toddlers, toddlers. okay. (laughs) Tell which stage different parents are in here. (laughs) Yeah. How about they get good jobs? That seems to be a high goal for a lot of parents. Uh, How about they're well-behaved? Seems to be a common goal for parents. Okay, those are common goals. What should be our goal? Grow up to know the Lord. Yeah, Abram, you have a, did Miss Ruth steal yours? To to praise the Lord. Okay, yeah, yeah, grow up to know the Lord, to praise the Lord. Uh, And so here's how Proverbs talks about it, 23, 15, and 16. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. It's a father speaking to his son, and he says, Son, if your heart is wise, if you are wise, you internalize wisdom, it shapes your inner being, my heart, too, will be glad. I'll be happy. I'll feel like, okay, I've made it as a parent. I've succeeded if your heart is wise. My inmost being will exult. I'll be filled with joy if I hear your lips speak what is right. And isn't that the case when you're a parent and you kind of overhear your kids doing well and they don't know you're hearing them, you know, talk well, maybe they're in the backseat of the car or something, and you think, oh, you know, maybe we're not failing. They're doing well, you know, and that kind of a thing. Uh, Just a little later in the chapter, 23, uh, 24, and 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Again, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. Having a son or a daughter who is righteous brings joy. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Uh, We can multiply this, uh, and you don't have to flip around. This one's probably well-known. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son makes a glad father but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Uh, And then we see the opposite of all this in 1725. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Okay, so from the book of Proverbs perspective, what's the goal of parenting? Wise children. Wise and righteous children. And, of course, uh, like we talked about, wisdom is taking all that we know about God and applying it to all of life and living life well, right? So children who know God and apply that knowledge of God in every area of their life. That's, that's the goal of Proverbs, wise children. Uh, the goal in Proverbs is to foster wise thoughts and actions. Okay, what would maybe be some marks of wise children then? What do wise children look like? Course, wise children, it's it's an end product. It comes in adulthood. It doesn't come, you know, children are on the road towards that. Uh, adults are on the road towards that. It's not like we've all arrived as adults. Uh uh, but but what could, would be some marks of, of wise children? Sorry? Read God's word? Yeah, go to the source of wisdom. They're responsible. Yeah. Realizing your needfulness of Christ, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sketched down independent. Wise children are independent. They, are, they make good choices. The friends they choose. Yeah, that's a topic we talked about a few weeks ago, is friends and, and who they're allowing to have influence in their lives. Uh, the way they act towards their parents, that's part of, of being wise children. We need to draw a contrast here, then, between well-behaved children and wise children, okay? At a certain age, they look similar. Uh, and in fact, at certain points, well-behaved children externally may look like they're doing better. You might look at well-behaved children and say, those parents really have it together. Uh, Tim Keller uses a, a great illustration talking about this, that if... if uh, you know, some of you kids, you have kids on the farm uh, uh, looking at, at, at Jesse and Danielle and, and, and Nate and Hosanna. If your youngest asks, can I go play before dinner? And you say, yeah, that's fine. I'll uh, just be back at six when supper's ready. That makes sense. But when your kids who are off in college call you and be like, I want to go play Frisbee out in the yard. And can I go do that? And it's like, well, I don't know. What's your homework? You know, you know your homework. You know what you need to do. Uh, initially, well-behaved children, they're back right when they need to be that externally might look better. But what the goal is is to have children who can be independent, make these kinds of decisions on their own. Like, yeah, I can go play Frisbee today or no, I can't go play Frisbee today. So uh, raising wise children, it may look similar initially, but it's ultimately not the same thing. Uh, Raising wise children at times means your children are gonna make mistakes, okay? And you actually let them make mistakes, even though you see that's a huge mistake. But sometimes it's the only way you learn for yourself is by making that mistake. Uh, you can't always just say, don't do that. People need to learn how to figure things out on their own. Uh, thoughts or questions there? I programmed some questions, but I also want to have some. Okay, good. We're tracking so far, hopefully. Or it's just warm and we're falling asleep. I don't know. Look at uh, she meant, like, this, according to his way. and even when he is, old, he will depart from it. To his way. Even when he is, old, he will not depart from it. Is that there's a specific way that individual children need brought up? Okay, children have their own individuality and their own calling from God on their life, and so even one another one children, you parent them different ways. What Proverbs is saying here is train up a child according to the way he should go, uh, or, or according to his way. It's saying you need to study your children. You need to reflect on your children, their character, their disposition, what they need, and how they should be corrected. Okay, so Proverbs is saying wise children requires wise parenting. It takes thought and reflection and considering not just right and wrong, but what the best thing you can do for those children uh, is. That's not always easy, but I think that's important is that children... uh, uh, Raising children is not baking cookies that you can just use cookie cutters and you know, that then they all come out the same, that children are different. Uh, one implication of this is that children uh, all start in different spots. Uh, that is to say, your children are not like my children and my children aren't even all like each other and your children aren't all like, you know, the, do you see what I'm saying? Children are coming from different spots and so to assume every child is gonna look exactly the same when they're out on the playground Uh, You know some kids may just throw rocks more than other kids, and that's the way it is Um, and so that's not saying You just leave them there But you just recognize that you know the kid that doesn't throw rocks has their own behavior issues that parents are working on them with Do you see what I'm saying? You're coming from different starting points moving towards wisdom That's the general approach of Proverbs is to consider a child's individuality and vocation and yet at the same time it's not just saying uh, your child is an individual and let them be free range and they'll just turn out whatever they are. It's saying train your child. Okay? There's training involved. You need to uh, lead them, guide them, train them, but you also need to take into consideration their own individuality. Uh, a second general approach to parenting, not just considering your child's particularity, 20 verse 7 says, the righteous who walks in his integrity Blessed are his children after him. The righteous who walks in integrity, blessed are his children after him. Parents need to be models for their children. Or to put it the other way around, the children who have parents who model integrity are blessed. That model is a blessing to them. And then 1918 gives us hope. Hope in our parenting, if I can find which page I wrote it on. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Okay, Don't give up on your children. Keep disciplining them. It's not fun. But discipline your children, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Just letting your children go, it's like putting them to death. Okay, that turns the corner then to raise these questions about not just the general approach, but specifics. And Proverbs seems to have two specific things that parents are meant to do. Discipline their children and delight in their children. Uh, I put it that way because they're both D's, but discipline your children and love your children. Those are the two things that Proverbs calls us to. Looking back at chapter 23 again, 15 and 16, my son, my heart too will be glad. Being glad about your children's character, that's taking joy in them. That's enjoying your children for who they are growing into. My inmost being will exult. It fills me with happiness to see you developing. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. Again, it's rejoicing in your children's growing character. Okay, so uh, parenting in Proverbs, it's it's filled with warm affection. Of course, the book of Proverbs as a whole, well, actually, I'll, I'll make that comment in a second. So delighting in your children, loving them, but also disciplining them, and it's helpful to me to remember that at least in Latin, discipline and disciple come from the same root. Okay, we can think of discipline as primarily like form. Do you give when rules? Are broken? That's not what Proverbs is talking about with discipline. It's talking about discipling, a process of bringing up children, of training them, coaching them. Uh, twenty-two fifteen. Sorry, kids, and actually, we're all chill, we're all kids of someone, so it applies to us all. But twenty-two fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Okay, uh, against sort of.
1: I you basically good.
0: It's up in the of child, drives it from him. What's it saying there? It's saying our natural state, at least our natural sinful state, is to be selfish. And selfishness is foolishness. Okay? Naturally, as we grow up as, as young children, we kind of think that we are the center of the world. That's the way we grow up, is by encountering things around us. And we scream, and our parents give us what we need. Okay? So in Psalms 2, the king says, I will uh, uh, smash the nations with a rod. It's the scepter of the king. Uh, Proverbs, uh, uh, rather Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, okay, his rod and his staff comfort me. It's a symbol of authority. Now, okay. Okay. I'm not telling you don't spank your children, but also not, I'm telling you is to read Proverbs woodenly as saying spanking is the magic bullet that solves all problems in parenting, is to misread the book of Proverbs. Okay, when it talks about the rod, here, folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far away. It's talking about firm authority, and that does involve consequences for actions, but that firm authority, that firmness, drives the folly away from a child's heart. It leads them into discipline and, and uh, wisdom, which is the goal that we're aiming at. Okay, so uh, uh, evaluating the question of, like, okay, what does. Uh, discipline in terms of consequence for children look like we need to remember 22.6 raise up a child according to his way you need to think about your children and what they need and what discipline looks like for them okay some children uh, need pretty severe consequences because that's just the way they are other children you look at them sideways and they break down in tears and they know that they've you you know even just that sort of uh, uh, feeling of conflict with their parents is enough that they don't do that again okay so you need to take into account your individual children what proverbs does tell us is that all children do need authority okay Uh, parents you are given authority and you're called to exercise it wisely that doesn't mean be authoritarian or totalitarian uh, acting like king of your house but you do have authority that needs to be exercised appropriately if your children are going to flourish any comments so far? A lot of you are farther along than I am in parenting, so if you want to chime in with some helpful tidbits here. <laughs> okay. So discipline and delight, or discipline and love. It's, it's neither uh, controlling your children, that you just want them to be well-behaved and to control them and make sure they're doing everything you want, but it's also not just unqualified affirmation. You know, everything you do is great. I'm so happy that you just did, you know, wreck the car or whatever it is. That there needs to be a balance between those, and discipline and delight uh, are uh, qualify each other, and they they push back against uh, just sheer control and sheer affirmation. Uh, Dan Allender gets at the same idea but uses slightly different language, and so maybe this is more helpful. He says your kids need to hear two things. Your kids need to hear two things. They need to hear that you love them and are not going to stop loving them. And they need to hear that they're not going to get their way. Okay? Your kids need to hear that you love them and that they're not going to get their way. And it's hard to do the, this is where wisdom comes in, it's hard to say both of those. Because when you say, no, you can't X, you can't get your way on whatever the issue is, it sounds like, well, you don't really love me then. Okay? All my other kids get to drink and drive, or friends get to drink and drive, why can't I drink and drive? You know, Whatever that is, I'm trying to use an example that hopefully is not Someone in the room, okay? (laughs) Uh, But whatever that is, if you're saying, you know, no, no, you can't do this thing that everybody else is doing, they hear it as, well, you don't really love me. And so you've got to say, no, I do love you. And keep building them up. They know that they are loved. But then you also need to let them know they can't just have their way. There needs to be those two things said together, love and discipline. If there's not any other comments, I'm going to turn them briefly to children. Yeah. I have one question. Sure. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, six. train up a child according to his way or in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 No, it's a great question. I think part of it does connect to that idea, although I would probably root that idea a bit more in the sort of like pro- baptism promises that, uh, a child is marked by baptism as being God's own. And God, uh, even more than our parent, we as parents desire our children to come back to the faith, God even more desires to bring them back. So uh, trusting in that. The sense here is if you raise them according to their way, they're going to grow to be wise. And if they make different decisions than you, hopefully they're still doing so uh, using the wisdom that you've trained them in. Um, of course, rejecting the faith would be a foolish thing, and so that raises some different questions, but if, um, you know, if they decide to do something different than you do and they're still making, using wisdom in making those decisions, uh, not talking about joining a different religion, but you know, driving a, a hybrid and not a gas car, you know, whatever those kind of things that they, you know, those sorts of issues, even if they do something different than their parents, theoretically they're using the same wisdom they've been trained in to make those decisions. Um, yeah, that's a good question. But yeah, the, I, I think the covenant promises at baptism is, is, is probably where I'd put more weight on, on that specific question. Good question. Okay, children, there's a flip side. Uh, uh, and parents, it's been the focus on parents. Now it's on children. And children, uh, everyone in this room is a child. Not everyone in this room is a parent, but everyone in this room is a child of someone or another. Of course, one of the 10 commandments is honor your father and mother. And it's not, uh, in the first instance, even aimed at, children, at young children, saying, you know, until you're 10, honor your parents and do whatever you want. It's aimed at all people and adults honoring your parents as well. Uh, so, so these apply to all of us. But what Proverbs consistently says, and, and chapters 1 through 9 that we looked at last summer, spent a lot of time on this, but what Proverbs consistently says is that you need to have the right attitude if you're going to benefit from discipline. The right attitude if you're going to benefit from discipline. 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. He who loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Okay, If you love discipline, no matter how broken your parents are, you're going to grow through their efforts. But if you hate reproof, if you hate being corrected, uh, Proverbs doesn't pull its punches. It's stupid. Uh, 1710, 1710, a rebu- rebuke, uh, a rebuke, you know what that is, uh, someone calling you out on your stuff, goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Okay. If you're someone of understanding, if someone comes to you, I, I mean, I hope to be a person of understanding, and if Albert comes to me and says, Nate, you've got to stop doing X, Y, or Z, I hope that I would take that on board uh, and, and respond to that. But Proverbs says, on the other hand, a fool can be struck a hundred times and they don't learn the lesson. Okay? It's an openness to correction that makes the difference. Uh, 23.12, apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Okay? You've got to take an active role in listening, uh, applying your ear to the words of knowledge, but also putting your heart into it. You've got to give your life to discipline, to instruction. Uh, one is a warning. one. he who is often reproved or corrected, disciplined, yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. There's some sense in which if we keep consistently resisting correction, there comes a point where we actually become broken and unable to respond, broken beyond healing. So there's a warning there. So children and all of us, we need to love discipline. We need to have that right kind of attitude. We need to be open to correction. We need to put our inner life, our our, our heart, our desire, our ears into learning. And we need to be careful at resisting lest we ourselves be broken. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, And I didn't do as much on this because we are going to talk about honor your father and mother in Exodus, but it is like six months away, so we'll all forget what I said by then. So uh, yeah, uh, I think that master category of honoring your parents, it's not obey your parents, it's not always submit to your parents even, it's not even love your parents, but honor is a, is a larger category that applies to every uh, uh, stage in life. Okay? So when you're five, honoring your parents means literally obeying the words they say. They say no cookies before dinner, you don't eat cookies before dinner. Uh, when you are 25, honoring your parents, it doesn't look like calling them up and being like, can I have a cookie tonight, right? Uh, that hopefully you're a wise child that can make some of those decisions on your own. Um, but parents are wrong. Every parent is wrong, uh, even me, okay? Uh, <laughs> don't ask my kids at dinner. <laughs> Every parent is wrong. And so it's something that we all have to wrestle with. We can honor our parents though by affirming what is right that they've taught us. And for some of us, that's like 10% of what they've said is right. Well, we can honor that 10%. For some of us, it's 90% of what they taught us is right. We can honor that 90%. So it's, it's upholding, you know, looking for the good uh, that they've done uh, and disagreeing in a way that's nevertheless respectful. Um, not just you know, giving them the middle finger and slamming out the door and that kind of thing. Like that's clearly not dishonoring. There's ways of disagreeing or, or, or even going a different direction that's nevertheless honoring. Do you want more on that or is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, Danielle.
2: I mm. I Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that, yes, yeah, that is a great line there, that, uh, and for those who maybe just didn't hear Danielle, it's that Heidelberg Catechism on the Fifth Commandment, it's part of honoring your parents is being patient with them. Parents are fallible, and nevertheless, you can be patient with them uh, in their, in their brokenness or or fallibility. Yeah, Susie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right. That it's not—it's not loving to someone who's an alcoholic to keep buying them alcohol. That that's, you know, uh, intervening in their life, saying no, this has to stop. And with parents, that's very hard because it's. But at times, it may even be, you know, I love you, but I need space, and we just can't be close to each other, um, which is hard. But yeah. Um, but again, that's different than cussing them out and talking behind their back, and that. that I was thinking in terms of uh, wise children, and I'll just end with this random thought, is it's interesting uh, thinking about wise children versus well-behaved children, and thinking about in Luke uh, 3 that Jesus stays behind as a 12-year-old, and his parents are three days down the road before they realize it. Um, If I have to go three days back to find one of my kids on vacation, um, I'll probably come for you guys. (laughs) But that is an inconvenience for parents. That's not... Like thrilling for parents, and yet we say that Jesus was without sin. It's not that he sinned by doing this thing. Maybe it was a mistake of him not to leave when they did. Um, Jesus can make mistakes as a human, um, you know, just in terms of finitude. Uh, But but that's interesting to think about. Is that's not that doesn't quite look like a well-behaved child in terms of you know um, uh, seen but not heard. That kind of a thing. Like he's in the temple arguing with the religious leaders. expressing his own opinion, and yet Luke also affirms there that he's growing in wisdom, and so uh, we have to be ready for at times unexpected, uh, you know, our children look like something that's a little bit unexpected and yet continue to uh, love them and nurture them. Yep, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think there must have been, it must have been clear to Mary and Joseph as well. They're like, yeah, it really is yeah, spiritual thing he's doing, not. Yeah, yeah
1: Ben.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's hard to keep track of kids. Let's just say, let he without fault and has never left a kid behind throw the first uh, stone. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we're told that God disciplines those whom he loves, that it's not um disciplining doesn't it's not the opposite of love but it's it's the correlate of love that they go together Um, but yeah that's an important and um, uh, sobering truth that the way we discipline our children is also teaching them lessons about God's nature and so we can do that in ways that gives them wrong pictures of God or ways that gives them uh, uh, good pictures of God and so that is yeah something to be Well, there's obviously a lot about parenting to be said. Um, and this is just kind of an overview of Proverbs' wisdom on parenting there. Um, and again, it's, it's about living out the implications of the gospel in our life, kind of what comes next rather than, um, you know, bad parents can still be saved, uh, bad children can still be saved. Isn't that the gospel? It's, we're all bad parents, we're all bad children uh, and need to be saved by Christ. But it's, it's wisdom for how to live beyond that. Let's turn then to our time of prayer together. Um, Are there requests or or praises to share with the group?
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, so I pray that those work out, and thank God that, yeah, good. Wow.
2: Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. So Brian and Betty's last week in, Taiwan and then traveling home. So pray for, pray for the Vanderhocks. I got a text right before service that my friend who was in charge of the chaplains at a hospital in New Orleans got laid off along with 800 other people. So um, he said he got some severance, but yeah, that's hard, losing a job. So uh, pray for him. His name is Jeff. Yeah, Susie. my okay so penny uh, penny van hort van nord heart surgery second grade or first grade okay so let's pray for penny she did a little girl on supplemental oxygen at the school and okay yeah okay
2: Sure Okay Yeah, uh, Hosanna Okay
1: Okay.
0: Okay. So Perry family lost a son who's a high school freshman? Okay. okay. In a four-wheeler accident. Oh my. Okay, so uh, the Perry family we will pray for, pray for them. All right, well, let's take these prayers and others uh, to the Lord. And uh, Nate, will you start us and I'll, I'll end us. Lord, we ask that indeed we would grow in wisdom, all of us as children, that we would be open to instruction and to discipline, especially to your discipline, and to see it as a sign of your love for us. Help those of us who are parents to be wise in the way that we parent our children. Help those of us who are aunties and uncles, grandparents, uh, to be wise in coming alongside parents and contributing to a intergenerational congregation here at Wiser Lake. Lord, we thank you uh, for your many good gifts that you have given to us, including holidays like tomorrow. We ask for families like the Johnsons and Lovegrins and Newtons that are traveling this weekend, that you would keep them safe in their travels. And as we turn to eat together, we ask that you would bless our time of fellowship, use it to encourage us for the week ahead. And even as we play games together, we ask that we would enjoy one another's company and the church that you are building here at Wiser Lake. Amen. Nate, I think you had a last hymn? 401. 401.